Hello and welcome to Snakes and Ladders, an honest podcast about career ups and downs and the tips and tricks we've picked up along the way. Today, you're hosted by myself, Peter Conroy, and you, Julian Armstrong. Hola. Coming up on today's show, the year is drawing to a close, Christmas is around the corner, and for some of us, that hopefully means a pay rise or a bonus. We're going to discuss how to highlight your successes and what influence you've got on the number in the envelope. And later, we're going to try something new, a pop quiz. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> How much do you think some of the UK's leaders pocketed in 2023? We're going to find out later. But first, Lord Julian Broderick Armstrong Sr., <laughs> how was your week? <laughs> it's going to just keep getting worse, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to try and go for a quadrupled battle next week. <laughs> okay. Yeah, not too bad, mate. How was yours? Yeah, not too bad. Um, we're just kind of wrapping up the year. I think I say this, I've said this for the last three weeks, but I feel like the last quarter of the year is just like a mad rush to like get everything done by Christmas. But then the irony is, is like over here, you come back to work on the 3rd of January and everything is as per normal. Whereas like in Australia, I'm still in that Australian mindset of like, put all the fires out because nobody's going to be doing anything for the first like six weeks of next year. But that's just (laughs) not the case here. Yeah. Are you going to do any travel back into the year? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going home for Christmas, which would be good. So warm Christmas. Yeah. Summer Christmas. Be my first Christmas home. Yeah. Horns and seafood. Yeah. And a swimming pool. hundred (laughs) percent. Um, That'd be really weird for the Brits to be hearing. Yeah, yeah, I love I love discussing summer Christmas with Brits because they're yeah. like, it sounds cool, but also weird. Yeah, and I'm like, it's amazing. Yeah, well, lucky you, mate. I'm yeah. going back in April, so I probably miss most of the warm weather. But you might get it. It's still warm by comparison to here. Not, yeah, not too bad. Yeah. yeah. How about you? How was your week? Yeah, same, same. I mean, uh, biggest drop in inflation in. Uh, oh, I, I didn't see the number. What was the number? Yeah, I think it's the biggest drop since 1991. So it's down. Uh, it's down. And they, they're sort of saying that they're, they're going to get it below 5%, which is good. Oh, because um, it was like six. It didn't drop much last month. So if it's dropped massively. Biggest drop, yeah, since 1991 or 1992, I think. It's a good year. Yeah. I can really hear my cold. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, you, you sound a bit snuffly. you got a flu. Just, uh, more Australian than ever with this like nasally <laughs> like, voice. Yeah, how you going, mate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'll try, I'll try and not uh, sniff all over the mic. But um <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit bit run down this week, but um yeah, other than that, good man. Yeah, nice. Okay, cool. Well I'm excited uh, about this topic though. There's a lot to share. And I think there's one we're gonna come back to lots of different times because it always um it always is close to the minds and hearts of, of everyone throughout why different we go times to work. of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so. I think, in my opinion, like this is the crux of one of your like workplace superpowers. Me in particular, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like curious to hear what you've got to share on the topic. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Well, let's get stuck in. So, after years of soaring inflation and job vacancies creeping back down to pre-pandemic levels, knowing your value in the workplace is extremely important. That's right. For most of us, these conversations can feel really uncomfortable and difficult to navigate in a pragmatic and fair way. Jules, this is one of your absolute strengths. So for those of us who can err more on the sheepish side, like let's let's have a chat. Like tell me what you tell me your ways. Okay. Um, so there's a few things that I think um, we need to we need to get everyone on the same page with, um, and that uh, the, the most basic one and probably the most important one is understanding. Uh, what structured pay rises uh, entail. So 
we'll talk about bonuses separately, but bonuses are a little bit more tricky, but pay rises are actually pretty straightforward. There are three ways basically to get a pay rise. Mm-hmm. Um, not how you secure the conversation, but there are three reasons behind it. Yep. One, uh, inflationary, yep. right? And pretty much everyone will get an inflationary pay rise unless you've got a really poor performing uh, individual. Yep. So that should kind of be an expectation. That's your annual kind of target, an inflationary pay rise. And so with inflationary pay rises, obviously it's not hard to like whip out inflationary figures and say, you know, just in order for my pay to not go down, you yeah. have to, Yeah. which is an interesting thing because last year my pay rise was like, I think 2%, which right. was like well and truly below yeah. inflation. Yeah. So how would you broach that conversation? Like let's start with that first like strategy. Well, su- super factual, right? Like this is the cost of living. It's increased or it's increasing every year in yep. order for me to be able to sustain my net income. Uh, I need to at least have a, an inflationary pay rise, which equals this. And short of a negative performance review, yeah, there's really no justification to not give you that. I mean, if the business itself is uh, struggling, yep. then that could be a factor, but uh, that should be explained, you know, and it should be consistent across the across the company. Yeah. So if you're getting sub-inflation everyone should be getting sub-inflation yeah so interesting you say that so as a matter of uh salary obviously i earn quite a bit more than my reports Mm. but both of my reports also got the same figure basically Mm. so we all got the same pay rise but mine ended up being two percent of my salary it ended up being ten percent of one of their salary and yeah sure four percent of the other one's salary okay i'm going to come back to percentages in a second because it's also a trick yeah um but the, uh, in terms of your own internal kind of target, yep. that you're you're thinking to yourself that should be that should be one target. Yeah. The other method of getting a pay rise is is performance based, right? So for high performing talented people, we want to keep them mm-hmm. because basically, uh, I'll, I'll I'll spit another fact at you. Um, there've been a number of studies that around what it costs to replace someone who's good at their job. Yeah. It's like how three times the cost of like a pay rise. It yeah, it's like three times the cost of a pay rise or something. Nope. It is twice uh, that salary. person's annual salary. Yeah, I knew it was crazy. Like, yeah. So um, breaking that down, basically, if you've got a high-performing person, that's it. That's we, We've got to be really clear. This is about high-performing people. Yep. So you've got their current salary. If they quit, you've got to go and find somebody else. Um and the finding somebody else is actually an extensive piece of work. So it's the recruitment fees. It's the drop in production uh, productivity when yeah. that person is on their way out, let alone when they've left. Yep. It's the um, interviewing with multiple people. Yep. Uh, so there, there's a, a shitload of time that goes into this. Then obviously I said the recruitment fees it's, it themselves. Then when you, when you get that person on board, it's the upskilling. Um, studies have shown that it takes roughly about six months for someone to get to full productivity in a new job. Wow. So, you so got, in essence, you could almost lose 12 months of, of a working person. You definitely could. Yeah. The funny thing is that most, uh, a lot of people don't know this. Like they've never thought of it like that. So when you go and say, I've got another job, they're like, oh, okay, well, can I afford to pay, you know. 10% more than what they've offered yeah, you. Yeah, what does Pete want? Does he want 10 grand? Oh, 10 grand. Okay, can we afford 10 grand? Yeah. What they should be thinking is Pete's fucking good at his job. Yeah. For me to be able to replace him, yep. it's not even a, it's not even guaranteed, right? Because you, you go out to market, you find someone, you think, okay, on paper this person's really good. Yeah, um, there might be a, cult- a cultural fit. Yeah, could be culturally a problem, could have you know um, communication challenges, whatever. Yep. So it's a gamble anyway. Yeah. 
So whenever some someone in my team is like, oh, I've got another offer, I think, okay, well. I'd I, rather you stay. I, 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 if they're good, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bend over to keep this person because yeah. because it's just, it, it's such a drain otherwise. So anyway, that, that's the performance-based part. So we've, we've spoken about inflation, then there's performance. Yeah. Then there's a change in role. Right. Right. So like a change in role. Um, Which you can quantify through the tasks and responsibilities. Yeah, so like a, either, either a change or a promotion. Yep. And so you get a different title, you get a significantly changed scope. Yeah. Yeah. So those three things are pretty much the fundamentals of how you get a pay rise. Now, the key is to not get them all at once in a year. Yeah, you've mentioned this to me before. Yeah. So yeah. everyone's getting their pay rise, let's say in January. Mm-hmm. Everyone's getting their inflationary pay rise in January. Mm-hmm. You should always be pushing for a performance-based pay rise in January as well. It's fine if those two things happen together. But yep. what they sh- what you shouldn't be caught thinking is, well, say say you get a three percent, say everyone gets three percent for inflation, mm-hmm. and you get given four uh, percent, you're get getting given a one percent retention fee for your performance. If you're a high-performing person, that's pretty shit. It's pretty shit. Yeah, yeah. So like that that's a conversation to have. Oh, I know everyone's getting inflation, or I know that inflation is this. What yep. you're really saying to me is that my performance is valued at a one percent increase compared to what you know, or a negative increase in my case. Yeah, we'll come back to how you shape that conversation in a second, yep. but it's okay if those two things happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. If you're really good at this, they don't happen at the same time. Yep, yep. You come back mid-year with some targets role. that you've delivered. No, yep. new role separate with some targets you've delivered from a performance basis. Yeah. And you renegotiate your salary based on those deliverables. So if someone comes to you and says, here's your inflationary pay rise, if you're you're clever and you're confident, you might go, cool, thanks. But I'm unhappy with that as an overall package. I'd like to have a review in three months. Yeah. Or I'd like to have a review in six months to acknowledge the performance and some of the deliverables. Contingent on what we've agreed that I have to deliver. Yep. Yeah. And we're going to, re- I would like that to be reset based on that and, we- and, and renegotiate it. So it's out of cycle because the key to that is trying not to lump it all together and have this perception of, you know, Pete's got a 10% yeah, package pay rise. discount basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So when they lump it together, they're going, what they're really doing is, is, is shortening the recognition for these other areas. So, if you're really good, and that's tricky, that one, to mm. try and push out, but uh, it's doable. Well, that's like a really, I think, good exercise there, right there, is for listeners that are getting a pay rise, is to sit down and try and break that fat pay rise. Like, if they are getting a lump off a pay rise, mm. is to sit down and quantify what elements of that pay rise comprise of inflationary performance yeah, yeah. and yeah. then potentially role change. Yeah. Because you're right. Like, I think when the last time we, like, stopped working together – when I no longer reported to you, I was given a new role and it just so happened to coincide with pay cycles. So I got offered a new role with a pay rise and that was a one and done situation. Yeah. So smart companies do that yeah. right? because it, it reduces their exposure to significant pay rises. And it worked because at the end of the day, I was I had a lot of smoke blown up my ass and yeah. a new job change and there was all this kind of like fanfare of like, wow, you can do this new thing and it's amazing and like new boss and new job and new pay and this and that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. No, no, no. Off I went, you know. But it, you can flip it too. So, mm. so we'll, we'll move to the we'll move to the one uh, for the role change one. Yeah. The role change one is potentially the the one that you can make the biggest movement with, right? right. So promotion or or significant change in scope. 
because you can sort of see what the market's paying for those roles. You do your research and whatever. And also from a percentage perspective, you know how much more work it is. Yep. So it doesn't necessarily correlate. You're doing 20% more work, you get a 20% pay rise, but it, it's it's a factor. But right? there's a difference between the amount of work and the amount of value you add as well. Definitely. Yeah. But if you turn around and say, I'm doing 20% more work, I want a 20% pay rise, that's not how it works. Yep. But it is a factor, you know. Yeah. So... Yeah, the third one is is getting a promotion or getting your role changed significantly enough to justify a, a pay review. And if you can, throughout the year, make that happen and it's not happening at the same time, that's where you start to game pay rises. Yeah. So n- not telling you what I earn, but within context, I've been in the industry for, in this industry for like 10 or 12 years. Yep. I've averaged probably around a 40 grand pay rise every year. Wow. US dollars. US dollars, yeah. Yeah. And it's not complicated what I'm doing. Yeah. It's just quite it's just tactical. A, it's a cool trick you've picked up. Yeah. And some of the stuff is because I've moved, yeah. right? Like I'm talking total package here, not just like my base salary, but yeah. like it, it, it is moving and uh, we can talk about that too. You know, when do you move for a pay rise? When do you move to change your, your, your sort of situation? The funny thing is I feel like if you, and that's really interesting because I feel like if you charted your salary on a graph and you compared a graph of someone who moved quite frequently versus someone who stayed at a company, you'd almost have like someone who's been at a company for a really long time would have to wait years and years before their salary just grew to that point of exponential space. Mm. So like the current place I work, there's people who've been there for 20 years and their, their salaries would be wild. Mm. like exorbitantly expensive. But if you want to get to those higher salaries quicker, you've got to move. Like, Yeah, I mean, so well, well, let's touch on that for a second, but I do want to come back to these three three areas. Um, the Moving around uh, has a purpose. And my advice is when you're starting in your career, move more. Yeah. When you're sort of settling. more senior in your career, not settling, but when you're more senior in your career, you need to move less. Yeah. It doesn't have to do with settling and being comfortable. It has to do with building trust. Yeah. Okay. Right? So when you're in your in the sort of first formative years of your career, no one's taking you seriously. <laughs> bit of that, but yeah. like, there's no, there's less of a need to build trust. It's very transactional what you do. Yeah. Yep. Whereas when you become more senior, you're making decisions that shape a business, and trust is really important. And if you're not there, like. I, I think I'm quite good at building trust in a short period of time, yeah. but it does take time. And if you're not there for very long and you jump to the next company, building that trust is really hard. And th- that trust, in in all honesty, is what opens up bigger doors for these bigger roles, which again gets you the bigger income. Well, that's actually so interesting because if you think about like an interaction you'd have with someone who's young, you're, you're, what you're looking for in is how, how smart are they? How switched on are they? How quickly do they pick things up? What's their work ethic? What, what's their work ethic? How innovative do they think? But when you deal with someone who's older, you assume that they know what they're doing. Yeah. And so then it suddenly becomes like, who are they connected to? What's their reputation like? So that actually is so... What are so their values? Exactly. You know, like, can we trust them to make the right decisions? Yeah. Can we trust them to look after their staff? What do people think of them? Yeah. Like in the business? Yeah. Like yeah. that's that's 100% it. Like, cause you, like I said, you see a young person and you just want to know like, what can you do? Yeah. As opposed to like, yeah, when you're working with a senior business leader, my first question is like, oh, what are they like? Yeah. Are they a and, dickhead? And also like when you're in a very senior level, you are... Le- you're not le- doing, call- you're guiding, you're directing. Definitely. Yeah. But let's call a spade a spade. There's politics at play. Like you're threatening to somebody at yep. some point. So building rapport and building relationships at a senior level is key for your growth. Yeah. Um, took me a while to realize that, but it's key for, key for your growth. And then... 
that takes time. Unless you are just fucking good at it, yeah. it takes time. But even in so many roles, like back on the like doing versus do, like directing kind of situation, like mm. as you get older, you're not actually doing the thing. You're not like, you're not actually planning. You're not designing. You're not, you know. Well, you're planning, but you're not doing. When I say planning, know. I'm talking about in our industry. So like yeah, being sure. a planner, but like you're more or less coming up with strategic decisions. And so in order for people to buy into those decisions, you need to have some sort of reputation backed up by people's perception of you mm. and credibility. Yeah. So let's go back to a second and talk about the kind of breakdowns in, in the salary. So, yeah, we were saying, you know, hypothetically, inflation is 3%. Um, God, wouldn't it, that be nice? And this is, <laughs> yeah, and this is where companies start to screw you. Yep. So it's all about percentages. If somebody comes to me, even in a bre- on a basic low salary, if somebody comes to me and they say, okay, I'm on 30 grand, I want to be on 45 grand. Yep. The company, every company does this. So it's not, it's not ours, it's I'll not say yours. I'll say that's a 33% increase. That's pretty... I'll say that's a 50% increase. Oh, yeah, it is. So they're on, yeah. if, they're, if they're on 30 grand, they want a 45 yeah, grand 50%. pay rise. 45 grand total packet. It's a yep. 50% pay rise. Yep. But it's only 15 grand. Yep. Right? So, but the companies will come to you and say, well, you know, Pete, uh, we know that you're on 30 grand, you want 45. Unfortunately, that is a 50% pay rise. You yep. know, the justification for that, we just can't we just can't provide. Yep. Because inflation is 3%. Yep. The performance might be another 5. So the the most most we're willing to give you is a 15% pay rise. Yeah, which is fuck all. Exactly. Yeah, it's like 5 grand. So why do you care about percentages? That that's just how they structure it so that the conversation is more geared towards the outcome that they're comfortable with. But doesn't that work in reverse when you get to a senior space where 10% of your salary is, you know, significant? Yeah. It is, but you know, that that just that just works that way because senior people <clears throat> care like the percentages uh, result in a larger salary, they in a large number itself. So, so they so the, they care less about, you know, the percentage, but they yeah. know what it equates to. Yeah. Whereas the more junior person just wants a figure, yep. right? Yep. So, yeah, a fifty percent pay rise, Pete. Unfortunately, we can't do that for you. Most we could do is twenty. Yeah, and it's just to help structure and limit growth. Yep. Um, so that, it's just another trick that they pull. Yeah. Ba- basically, if you know, um, and and you can work through these three different uh, approaches at different times, that's when you can start to un unravel that yeah if you at this at the end of the year or in january go i want a 50 percent pay rise you're going to struggle with it you got to find a way to break it up into pieces into yeah. chunks yeah so take the inflationary rise and push for a performance one yeah then get your role changed yeah now how do you do that that's the next part right yeah so uh, i think through throughout my career and definitely through yours and you're very good at this too um I, I, you know, we're we're both engineers, sort of, uh, you know, um, mathematically geared. Very, the, our training is very structured, right? The industry that we work in is very structured too. So, because we work with people's lives and and all that sort of stuff, it's it's a dangerous industry. You go through your training, you then start the in the industry. Typically, if you're an engineer, as a site engineer or setting out engineer or whatever. And you are literally run through a linear structure of career progression yep. that, that is the same for everyone. So you're a setting out engineer, you then become a, you know, well, you're an apprentice or a graduate, you get, in, get into being a site engineer. 
you're a site engineer for five years before you become a senior site engineer. Then you're a senior site engineer for five years before you become a an assistant project engineer. Then you're that for five years before you become a project engineer. And then you're that for five years before you become... Construction manager or something. Well, no, that before you become a senior project engineer, yeah. then a project manager, then a construction manager. Or if you're lucky... And, and then you're 100 a, before you get to the fucking job that you want to do. Or if you're lucky, you work for a company that has like speedy turnover of projects and you, if, you've, if you're good at your job, you might get the opportunity to like change roles every time you move to a new project. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about that separately as well because, I mean, our industry... You're right. That's how things work. Yep. But it is incredibly biased. Oh yeah, it's it's super um, political. It's super yeah. yeah From bureaucratic. a DNI perspective, it's a car crash. Yeah. Um. You know, like oh yeah, Pete, you're on this job. Uh, you're a great guy. We're going to put you on the next job and give you a promotion. Yeah. Meanwhile, three other better candidates have been in the company yeah. for five years, but because they're women or of a different race, they don't get a look in. Or because you saw me on the bags last weekend. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. But um. Yeah, so I think one of the other keys to this is is and we definitely need to do a separate episode on this, but having having identified your progression mm. that allows you to get growth year on year. Yep. So you I can obviously tell that I'm ambitious with these discussions, but you know, it, there's one sort of underlying drive to try and change either my scope or my role within a year to two years continuously right yeah but you can't do that within that framework that we just discussed so you need to shape it yourself yeah and what you've done really well in the last five years is shape a career based on gaps in an organization that they didn't know existed but they they needed to solve right yeah they're like oh you know we've got these skill set issues um how do we solve them okay you need a comprehensive technical training program who's going to do that me yeah and you just jump on the opportunities that that no one's recognized. So, you know, you can carve out completely different roles as long as you can prove the value of those roles. And yep. that's when, as we said in these these um, pay rise cycles, you start to get significant movement. You know? And I suppose that's all tied into, like we talked last week about, like that relationship building piece is yep. that, you know, there's a it's a two-pronged thing, right? So you have an advocate for you that recognizes you have talent and skill. Yep. It might not necessarily be a boss. Yeah. And then, as you said, like it's it's planning and mapping out those skills in a way that you can present yourself to fill those roles. Yeah. yeah. So I think like the key thing that you've just said there, which I think most people, myself included, probably fail to do is to have a really clear idea of what you do, what you can do and what you want to do. Yeah. Where you want to be. And drawing the pathways between those things. And it's like there's many ways to demonstrate the ability to do things like I think I worked in a role with you where, you know, we were working on a. Uh, a, a piece of software to manage quality issues and then from there I took that information and started building dashboards and then from there mm-hmm. I started presenting those dashboards using some really like intricate and well put together graphic work because I did graphic design work in university and there's like a myriad of like different skills there that I have in my back pocket and I'm lucky as well that you advocated for those skills seeing them as being useful tools yeah and, you know, presented me like, you know, you can use these skills in this different way. You have all these ingredients. Here's a recipe. Like but if you don't have an advocate, you still do it yourself. Um, yeah. It's just a, a little bit more tricky. But, yeah, I think that we're going to do a, a separate episode, excuse me, on um, career progression because there's different routes to take. And I'm not saying that the kind of linear progression we we're talking about, the five years, five years, five years, is wrong and you can't get to where you want to get to. Yeah. There's always acceleration there, but it's uh, – and we can talk about that separately. Um 
but yeah, I think we'll, we'll do another another topic on that. But what I wanted to kind of sort of reinforce is, so we've got these three options, and it's about trying to get the best out of each of those year on year, yeah, or as as much as possible. Um, I guess the next thing to talk about though is like how you negotiate those things. Yeah, yeah. So for me, practice is key. Yep, and also. Um, I, I kind of realized a number of years ago and it was an em- enormous weight off my shoulders that every person that you have these discussions with fucking hates it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. So like if I'm talking to my boss about what I want in terms of my salary, they are just as uncomfortable about having this conversation as I am. That's actually really funny you say that because... I've, it's only, I've, this is my first year managing someone mm. and I've had my first run at someone being like, I think I deserve more money. And I wholeheartedly agreed that they did, mm. but it was out of my hands as well. Cause then I have to go and have that conversation on behalf of them. Mm. Well, we'll come back to that. Cause that's an important factor as well. Like, um, the mentality of your manager is, is, is an interesting thing. We'll come back to that in a sec, but I think the, um, the the key thing for people to recognize that gives them that should give you a sense of encouragement and sort of personal power is that the person on the other side of the desk that you're talking to is just as uncomfortable as you are having the conversation yeah neither of you like doing it it's about who can do it better yeah yeah so how do you get better at it you've got just got to do it a lot and not in a confronting like you know, Give me more money, every, every three months yeah. come around and say, I want more money. That's, yeah. that's going to... That'll piss people off real yeah, quick. Yeah, that'll marginalise you really quickly. So I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. But what you need to get good at is having difficult conversations. In a, like, pragmatic and, like, reasonable fashion. Yeah. yeah. And that, and how that applies to pay rises, these are difficult conversations. Yeah. So uh, every year is obviously an opportunity. If you're following the advice I'm giving you, there are multiple times in the year to be doing it. Yeah. You just need to not come across like a needy dick, you know? <laughs> okay. So like it's it's off the back of a justified change. Yeah. So th- therefore you should be having a salary discussion. Contractors do this really easily. Like if, you, if you're contracting out to a marketing agency, basically every time you change the scope, they're going to say, cool, that's a variation. You need to pay us some more money. And well, I think that's part of the it. same approach here. Right? Their, their whole livelihood is based on quantifying their work. Exactly. Yeah. And so should everybody's. Yeah. But we've been taught and, and trained to not do that. Well, that's actually, before we dive further, like let's, I would like to speak to like, what is the mindset that you need to have with regards to the relationship between you and your employer? Cause I feel like particularly millennials, and I know I'm guilty of this as well, is having this like almost gratefulness to be employed. Mm. And like, how dare you ask for more money? You should just be happy you have a job. Because obviously like a lot of people my age and even your age, we sort of were born into a workplace where we were just coming off the back of the GFC. Jobs were hard to come by. Everyone had a master's degree and, and none of us, you know, back when back when I first came out of university, it was like, you need a master's degree and five years of experience and that was an entry-level job and we're going to pay you shit for it. And so there's this almost like, you know, unspoken like just gratefulness to have a, a job you know what i mean and i and it's interesting because i feel like people in more senior cohorts to us 
you know, jobs were plentiful, unemployment was super low. Unemployment's really low now. So I feel like Gen Zs have almost had a similar experience where they can just waltz from job to job knowing that they'll get another one. Mm. And so I'm specifically talking to certain people who do have that mindset of like, oh God, I'm just happy I'm employed. Mm. How do those people need to think about the relationship? Because at the end of the day, you're being paid to do something. Mm. So what's your advice on like, what what is the, the frame of mind you need to be in when you're asking for this situation? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we, I guess our audience, uh, we we sort of expect to see on the other side of the uh, the wall that we hope are listening are, are ambitious, yeah. um, you know, professionals. Yeah. So, you you need to come with a level of confidence to these conversations. Yeah. Always knowing or always uh, understanding whether your boss gets it or not, but always understanding that if you leave, they're kind of screwed. Yeah. If you're good at your job, they're kind of screwed because it's going to cost them a lot of money. And if they don't realize that, is that the place you want to work? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're having these conversations year on year and it's just the same answer and and money is a driver for you, yeah. Um, why are you there still? I suppose then that brings us to another topic that we'll have to cover at some point, which is like knowing when it's time to go yeah, and how to go about that. Yeah. Like my whole thing is like, and this is, I don't know if there's other people out there like this, but in that whole thing of like, I know I'm valuable. I know they need me, but they might not know that. And the other thing is like, particularly with my role, especially because I've done that thing of like carving out a niche of things based on my skill set. I can't help but wonder like, will I be able to find another role or prove to someone from the outside of an organization that what I do is worthwhile and valuable? Yeah. So that's what I was saying before. Like it, it, when you get more senior and you'd leave, you've got to build that up again. Yeah. You know? So you go to another company like, okay, this is cool. This guy seems like he's got a hell of a lot of potential. Let's mm -hmm. see, you know, we'll give him these things, but then the opportunity is limited to begin with until you build that trust and that get some runs on board where the opportunity then gets gets bigger. So when you're choosing another company, you need you, you need to ask them, what are my growth options here? Yeah. You know, before you join. Yeah. Where do you see this role transitioning to next? It might be weird for them for you to be asking that like early on. They might go, it's, you know, obviously an ambitious person, but you need yeah. to know that. If you're if you're going into a role that's got a dead end, you end up moving another three or four years anyway. But it also might save you the heartache of like, you're kind of making it known that you are ambitious. You need to be motivated. You need to be inspired. Yeah. And if a company is put off by that at the outset, that's another place you don't want to work. Exactly. So I don't know. Look, I'll tell you something that I do and I don't necessarily advocate for doing this for everyone. You've got to be quite careful um, and you need to kind of know the person you're talking to. Yeah. But pretty much every role I've ever gone into with a new manager, within the first month, two months, when I've kind of gotten a gauge of the individual I'm reporting to, I sit them down and say, okay, just so you know, I am going to spend 90% of my time doing my job and I'm going to do a fucking good job. Yep. 10% of my time, when, I, when I'm talking about nine to five, so yep. my, my allocated work hours, 10% of that is going to be me understanding how I get to the next position. Yeah. And I'm going to protect that 10% of my time because that's growth. And if I don't have that, I'm not going to be happy here. And if you don't like it, we're going to have another conversation about how this is going to work. Yeah. You're going to get your bang for your buck out of me in 90% of my time. Yeah. But for me to be happy and challenged, I need that 10%. You need to know there's something on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, well, not only know it, but be working towards it. Yeah. And in all honesty... That 10% is actually when you start to build up your 
your additional scope every year yeah and your option to get paid more yeah so i'm doing all of this additional stuff boss as we've agreed mm. i think I, I i should be sort of getting a review in my salary my scope's changed significantly or you know i'm doing all this additional stuff I think you know my my role needs to be reviewed to sort of recognize that scope. Yeah, if you're valuing and benefiting off the tasks that I'm doing, yeah, then that's. I mean, it's a different thing if you're doing something and they're like, "Well, we didn't ask you to do this," and then they actually think yeah. it's that helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I I bring you coffee every day. Yeah, <laughs> I just um, have a pay rise. Yeah, exactly. I suppose the other thing. So that's that's really good for people who are looking to constantly kind of climb. Mm. Let's say. Uh, Got, like imagine that we have a listener out there that's like, no, I'm really happy with my job. I like what I do, mm. but I do also think that my experience and the depth of my experience over time is increasing in value. How do you leverage that in terms of a pay rise? So they don't want to go into a new role. They don't want to expand their remit. However, they now have been doing what they do. Let's a perfect example. We know a couple of people working in roles at our, your old business yeah. who've been there for 20 years yeah. and obviously working in construction, if you're working as a quality manager, you've seen everything. And the more you see, the more you know, the more you know, the more useful you are in yeah. avoiding other problems in the future. How does someone who wants to stay in that role, who doesn't want to expand their remit, what do they do? Well, there's a cu- couple of easy things. And I think a lot of people do this quite quite often. Um, so it's it's about continually reviewing your value to the organization. Yep. Obviously, inflation will continue. So you should always be expecting that, as I said before. Yep if you're really good performance should continue, you know, yeah. but you will hit a, you will hit a cap based on that, those things. Yeah, that's uh, what banding's for. Like, yeah, you'll hit a cap and they'll go, no, sorry, man, you're, you're, you're outside of the range of, of pay for this. But that's when you actually need to determine whether they're full of shit or not. So if yeah, like if me, you left, I go to market, right? So yeah. I go to market, not necessarily to leave, yeah. but I go and start testing the waters. Okay. These are the things that I do. This is the value that I think I bring. Yeah. What's the market going to pay for that? And you think about particularly let's use quality as an example. How many companies who have just been through a really traumatic project that's cost them a lot of money mm. and they've got that knee-jerk reaction of like, we will pay through the teeth for someone to stop this ever happening to us again. Mm. Well, there's 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 some insane opportunities at the moment just generally like <coughs> cybersecurity um and and cyber risk there, there's massive roles out there for people who who've got those sort of skills mm-hmm. data is just continuing to be a, a, a key driver yeah uh communications and and sort of sales and marketing it, it continues to even though the, you know the advent of ai is something a lot of businesses don't know what their usp is yep. so ai is not going to articulate a company's usp yeah so you still need people in the business who know the point of difference that can then use those tools to articulate it. Yep. And if you've been there for a long time, you know the you point know of the difference. You know the business. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So there's, there's all these kind of different routes and everything that you can take. For for me, I've got skills in restructuring businesses. Yep. That is the hot topic right now. Yep. How do we get more money? Uh, how do we get better efficiency balance? out of small, pe- yeah. small how, people? How do, how do we stabilize our balance sheet at the moment? How do we shed some headcount? Yep. Like I'm getting knocks on the door every week. Yep. So th- there's a lot of opportunities. You just need to sort of think slightly outside of the, the standard. But it, coming back to your question, if you've been in a company for a while, you want to keep doing the same thing you're limited in your pay rises because they say, well, you've hit the ceiling. You know, over the years you've had inflation and performance-based increases. You've hit the ceiling. We can't pay you anymore. Yep. You know it's going to cost them a lot to replace you. Yep. As we said before. Yep. But you're basing your kind of assumptions on what they're telling you. 
Yeah. Like we, you've hit the ceiling. Who's determined the ceiling? What's where, Where's their figures coming from? Is it just because your salary is now approaching somebody else's salary that they've already employed and they think their value is higher than yours? Well, that's the other thing is like you can't benchmark what you don't know sort of thing. Like yep. if you've been in a role for such a long time, they don't know what it's like to go to market and find someone with your skill set. Yeah. Perfect example is like one of the staff that left when I first took over a team and I had no chance of keeping him. Like he'd basically accepted the role before I took over the role. Like, but he left and trying to, trying to replace him. Like, we, I mean, we replaced him, but like the person we got was not a fraction of what he could do. Yeah. And we're paying the same salary for this other person, yeah, yeah. but we just don't get anywhere near as much out of them. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't, you can't rely on businesses not being short-sighted because yeah. uh, it's an emotional thing. If you go to your boss and you're like, I've got an offer. It, don't know who your boss is, but they might take that personally and just yeah. be like, well, fuck you. Off go, you go fuck yourself. Enjoy yeah. your new job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've so seen that happen so you, many times. You need to be open to that. Yeah. But it, I mean, don't, don't, there's ways to sort of um, avoid yeah. that kind of negative discussion. Well, you're you open say, with the kind of language of like, I would prefer to stay here, but yeah, the financial or, incentive to leave has been put in front of me. Yeah. Or, um, you know, I've been discussing salary with you for a while. Um, it's not moved. Uh, not for the intention of leaving, but I've gone and tested the market. Yeah. I've actually got a job offer. Yeah. I don't want to go, yeah. but I'd like to see you move on, on where you were before. Well, that's the thing as well. If they want to make you feel guilty about like wanting more money, you can kind of flip that back on them and say, well, make them feel guilty for not valuing you as an employee. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's how it works. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, part of this as well comes down to being able to have difficult conversations. Um, part of it comes down to being able to understand your own value. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that the kind of market research says that women are not as good at this as, as men. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. You say that, like, women won't apply for a job unless they know they can do 100% of the skills. Men will apply for a job if they know they can do 30% of the skills. Exactly. And I think there's research as well that says if a salary is listed on the job offer, on the job advert, less women apply for it. Because, really? Yeah, because um, they they see the salary and think, oh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm under that salary. I'm not going to get that job, right? Whereas we'd see it and go, sweet, that's where I want to be. beauty. That's yep. where I want to be. I'm yeah, going for that job. Yep. You know? yep. So I think that's an interesting additional topic as well. We need, yep. to, we need to grab a, a, a female and get, get her in, in the studio and have a chat about that. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally for me, it comes down to confidence. You know, I'm having these discussions with my wife at the moment. She's going through the same sort of discussions with her job. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're dealing with companies who don't recognize it's going to cost them a lot to replace you, that's a challenge, Yep. right? Um, if you're dealing with companies who stick to the rule book and they're like, no, you can only get a pay rise this time of the year, that's also a challenge. It's yep. not, it's a challenge though. It's not a stop sign. Yeah. You can never walk away from the table without something. Yeah. Right? That's me. I yep. never walk away without getting something. And something is not necessarily some tangible money. Yep. It's another discussion, a guarantee of another discussion. Yeah. Right. They know that you're not happy. They know there's a risk that you're going to go. Yep. All they're doing is gambling with the time that it takes for somebody to find you and th- throw an offer at you. So yep. if if the negotiation negotiating position you've got is limited in terms of what you can get from a cash perspective, yep. at the very least, you want to negotiate another discussion. Yep. You know, so never walk away from the table without getting something. Yep. Um, yeah. And I think that there's some key, some key things there. I think for, from my perspective, I also understand that salary isn't everything. Yep. It's definitely not. There's personal drivers for people to make them prioritize money. That's, that's my situation at the moment. I'm prioritizing 
money. Yeah. Um, Whereas me, I'm in a position where I'm prioritizing freedom. Yeah. So like I'm in a position where I'm not loving certain circumstances at work, but I also know that in this role, I have a lot of personal freedoms. I know where the boundaries lie. I know what I can get away with. I know what is required of me and I can do my job in my sleep. And that opens up space. I'm renovating my house at the moment. Yeah. And that opens up space for me to pursue other facets of my life in a way that if I had to change jobs or change roles like someone at my works just left and it was just me oh you should take up some of her remit and I was like I actually don't I thought about it really hard and I was like I don't want it because at the end of the day I, I don't want to do more work than I'm doing at the moment yeah, yeah. you know what I mean and yeah. that's you're right it's an incentive it's what what do you want as well yeah I think where there's opportunities for you to take on more responsibility, you need to put that within the context of what that's going to, how that's going to serve you in the long run. You yeah. know, is that going to open another door for you? Is it something that you really like doing? Yeah. Is it going to get you more money? Sometimes um, promotions, and I think this is like pretty common, can be a poison apple. Hmm. Like my partner's going through this at the moment, where you know he was offered a role, he took the role, and has since realised that this is, he, yeah, he got paid more money, but like is wildly unhappy now because of the level of responsibility and, and the lack of support that he's got in this role. Yeah, so that that's an interesting point as well. But I think that in the same way that you've got control over your salary, you do have control over that. Like you should set boundaries from the start when you take on a new role. Yeah. Say, you know, I'm not working 14-hour days just because you've given me a, a more responsibility and more, more money. Yeah. That more money equates to more responsibilities, not more hours and more... Yep. blood sweat and tears yep, yep, you know yep. so like setting boundaries i think is really important yep um again something we can come back to um but i think it, it'd be interesting to, to hear in the future from our, our callers around how this kind of goes down in their world I, i've got a really weird situation from my personal perspective at the moment i'm really good at this yep. like i'm very good at having upfront conversations i've seen you do it <laughs> yeah, yeah about salary i'm very good at it you yep. know uh and strangely, I, my boss is shit at it. Yeah. So I've walked in more recently. I've, I've been given a huge amount more scope. Um, and I've walked in and said, you know, I, I'd like a change in, in title and I'd like a, um, a significant uplift in my salary. Mm-hmm. And the response was, yes, the scope has changed, but we believe that the, the title is, is um, still relevant. And, um, and the salary is equivalent. And based on where you are in the business, you've sort of hitting your market ceiling and i was like okay but why would i do all this additional work when i'm not getting paid anymore you know you, for you to be able to get someone to do this you'd need another person yeah in which case you'd be paying more money yeah so i don't really care what others are getting paid because they don't do what i do yeah um but if you for you to get someone to do this you'd have to have a second person so i didn't turn around and say pay me twice the salary you know but they're the facts yeah. um the hard part was that I was running this person around in circles and, and they just weren't even getting it. And they were like, just couldn't even engage in the kind of argument negotiation. And I was like, Oh my God, how do you not get this? I think I've, I said this to you <laughs> like a good, and my partner likes this one. It's like paying, it's like playing chess with a, you can't beat a pigeon at chess yeah, because they just don't know how the rules work. So yeah. you can play the best game of chess in the world. The pigeon's going to walk all over the board and shit everywhere. Exactly. So, you know, for me, uh, again, as I said, never walk away from the table without something. Uh, I'm, I'm sorting out my title, which gives me a different market um, market evaluation and market sort of rate. Yep. In the market, I'm worth more because of that change. Yep. 
So there's things that I'm doing irrespective. So you've um, broken that, like you rather than coming out in one foul swoop, you're like, all right, well, let's break this up into pieces. If their yep. issue is my job title, let's work on that first. Yep. Yep. Get that sorted, and then in the market, I've got different people rating me at different um, different salaries. Yep. I also had my bonus changed, so I was like, you know, I know that my bonus structure is slightly different to people who, who are around me. I want that changed. So I didn't walk away with nothing. I didn't walk away with what I wanted. Yep, um, you got something. Something's better than nothing. Exactly. Yep. And the fact is they know that I'm not happy with what they've given me, and so they're, they're taking They know they're on borrowed time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. Um, so, yeah. Interesting topic. Yeah, 100%. I think this is like one, like there's many more episodes in this space. Like we've like just covered, I think, like the tip of the iceberg in reality. Yeah, so we we did talk about whether we want to dive into um, how you negotiate a new role. Um, I think we can, we probably touch on that quickly now, but we'll we'll bring, we'll come back to a full topic Mm. uh, next time. So interesting topic. There's going to be more discussions around this. Um, but my takeaways or, or my sort of little nuggets of, of gold dust, hopefully, are that there are three ways to get a pay rise. Yep. One is inflationary, which if you're good at what you do and the company's doing okay, you should expect that every year. Yep. The other one is a performance-based incentive. Yep. Again, if you're good at what you do, you should be able to get those. Yep. And the other is to sort of try and position yourself for a new role or, or a significantly greater scope. The key is don't get them all at the same time. Yep. Right? I know I'm going to fucking bowl into the office next week. <laughs> 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 all right, brilliant. Cool. We're okay. flying by the seat of our pants. <laughs> so, yeah, trying something new. Quiz time. Pop quiz. Fun times. Yeah. Love a game. Super so, competitive. <laughs> Hit me with it. So, along the same lines of this, this key discussion, I think it'd be really interesting to... Get your, get your thoughts on who the highest paid CEOs are. We're going to make it a little bit more simple. Or maybe right. it's not more simple. We're going to just stick with a FTSE 100, so UK-based companies. Sure. Don't need to know who they are. Yep. But okay, f- firstly, what industries are they? Yep. And then secondly, out of the top 10, well, let, well let's start with the first one. All right. What, what industry do you think represents the highest paid CEO in the UK? Finance. Tech. No. Uh, legal. No. Fuck. All right. Uh, manufacturing. Sort of. Sort of. Okay. Pharmaceutical. Pharma. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Big so pharma. AstraZeneca. Um, the that, CEO of AstraZeneca. Is that British? Yeah. Oh, there you go. CEO of AstraZeneca, Pascal Sorio. It's French. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Fifteen point three two million. Far out, fucking hell. Yeah. Okay, next question. Yeah. Um, how many of the top ten highest paid CEOs in the UK are women? One. Correct. Boom. How did you know that? I don't know. I think I just had a like. There had to be one, but yeah. I didn't think it would be high. Where do you think she ranks in nine? The, no. Ten. Ten. Ah. Oh. So, uh, GSK. Sorry, GSK PLC. Um, Which is another pharmaceutical, GlaxoSmithKline. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Emma Walmsley. Right. Eight point four five million. So half the her top peer. Nearly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How far ahead is number one from number two? Uh, fifteen point three two down to ten point six nine. Right. So old mate, fucking Pascal or whatever his name is, is like smashing it. Smashing it. I think the interesting thing here is like you know uh, particularly 
in the past sort of five to ten years in particular, entrepreneurs are like the the hot topic, right? You know, yeah. they're, they're the they're heralded, you know, they're making huge amounts of money. And yeah, sure. But I think people forget something like 70% of startups fail within the first five years. Well, that's the other thing. We're talking about these top 10 blokes or people. They're working within a, f- a structured framework. Yep. There's a limitation to their liability with yeah, regards yeah. to like success yeah. or failure. Like yeah. entrepreneurs like live, breathe and dream about this shit 24-7. Not that these guys don't, but... Yeah, I mean... um his name i can't remember his name but the guy that one of the one of the highest paid well okay so whoever it was um bill gates's assistant sure is one of the wealthiest people in the united states now really yeah because he is equity in the company and he's getting paid a huge salary nice um the guy who i think is the ceo of walmart now started on the floor yeah he's been there for 30 years we love that and he's getting paid like ten million a year or something like that. Yeah. Um, At the end of the don't day, don't quote me on the numbers, guys. But like, it's <laughs> some, some extraordinary amount of money. But he's been there for like thirty years, and he started on the shop front, like shop floor. Might have even been um, in the warehouses packing stuff. Call me small minded as well, but like, what's the difference quantifiably between say you have earning ten million dollars a year and a hundred million dollars a year in terms of lifestyle? Like, yeah, of course. Like, you can own twenty houses and a yacht and whatever else, and go to space. But like in your day to day life mm. and your existence, how much better could your life get between ten million and a hundred million? No idea, man. We're not there yet, but one day. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I think um, in reality, that a CEO is a CEO is a CEO. You know, yeah. like if you work yeah. for a business that you didn't start up, and, or you work for a business that you did start up, you've still got the same sort of responsibilities. What yeah. What's different is obviously your mentality and your passion about the business. I would say. People are just as passionate working for somebody else as they are working for themselves. But that's yeah. the thing as well. It's like you'll find that CEOs are passionate about the product. And so entrepreneurs are passionate about the project product. You might find the CEOs passionate about business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, let's go global now. All right. Highest paid CEOs globally. <sighs> I'm going to say like, Amazon, like tech is up there. Yeah. Yeah. So like your alphabets and your Amazons and that. Yeah. Is that, are they all tech? Um, I've got the names, so let's let's just double check the companies. Uh, Farmer's surely up there as well, yeah. <laughs> these are they num- all American? These numbers are absurd. Are they American? Uh, some of them are, yeah. So, top of the pop, as in like how much? What what industry is it? I say tech. No, farmer. No. Media? No. It's private equity and investment. Uh, that's not a real business. Blackstone. <laughs> <laughs> that's to, not a real industry. Big to differ. I Black, just trade Blackstone. money. Blackstone. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Blackstone. So yeah. They, they, they've got properties and... You know, their product is money. Yeah. You know what I mean? So naturally. 253 million. A quarter of a billion. <laughs> that's fucking nuts. That's wild. This is 2022 based. That's right? the salary. Alphabet. Right, yeah. yeah. Next. Amazon. Is, uh, well, Alphabet, 225. Oh, right. Sun- Sundar. Can't remember, can't pronounce the last name. Pichai? Pichai? Yeah. This will surprise you. What's next? Yeah, mate, you won't get this. This will surprise you. Unilever. No. No. Hertz. Car rentals. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Really? 
Yeah, 182 million. That's so interesting because I've never been able to like get a car in under fucking half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> they make so much money. <laughs> oh, God. There goes the asthma. Um, followed by Peloton. Really? Yeah. I thought they were losing money after the pandemic ended. Probably. This is 2022. Oh, fair. Um, okay. So they're still running off that pandemic money. Live Nation, Oracle. Yeah, Oracle makes sense. Live Nation, really. Pinterest, Workday. Pinterest. Apple. Those fucking housewives with their fucking Pinterest boards. <laughs> Apple, yeah. Doctor Sign. Yeah. So there's obviously a lot of tech companies in there, but there are some traditional. Some really boring tech companies, though. There's some traditional ones, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised there's made. no like law firms or no. no big pharma in the global as well. Uh no. Uh well, I think Core Scientific might be one. Yeah, I think there probably are a few. These all they've all got cryptic names. I'm amazed that Unilever is not in that top ten. Mm. That's like every product that we consume, basically. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Very. So. I want to ask you one more question. What is your favorite color? Uh, <laughs> um, no, so uh, let me just get this one up. What do you think the average salary increase was for 2023? For who? For everybody. Everyone. Globally, shit. I was surprised that statistics available. Um, the average. Let's just go with the UK. The average pay rise in the UK for twenty twenty three as a dollar amount, or as a, sorry, as a pound amount, or as no, a, a percentage. Percentage five mm, percent. Nope. Is it less or more? More. Ten percent. Less. Eight point five percent. Slightly less. Seven point eight. Really. So, well, put, so put, I got a put below average fucking pay rise that's last the, year. That's the point that I wanted to make. Put that in context, everyone yeah. who's like listening. Yeah. If you're, if you're, you know, if you're on a decent pay pay already, you know, it's it's a it's a different consideration. But you know, like if you're going into a discussion with your boss and the average person who's also going to a discussion with their boss in, you know, if we're all going in in January. Yeah. Just remember, the yeah. person next door is probably asking for more than you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Hmm. All right. Cool. Thanks for that, man. Well done on the quiz. Cheers. <laughs> I don't, did I do well? I don't think I've got anything right. <laughs> it's all right, man. It's all about trying. Yeah, performance. <laughs> <laughs> all Thanks, right, buddy. cool. Thank you. Speak to you next okay. week. Yeah, man. See ya.